Hello and welcome to SETI Seminars, brought to you by the Ilkley Literature Festival. This podcast series will introduce you to a wide range of topics as leading experts break down years of study into bite-sized talks. From 18th century murder mysteries to modern US history, and from psychiatry to post-colonial literature. What does it mean to work in UK farming today? During the COVID-19 pandemic, the image of farming was revitalised as essential. Yet the people involved in farming tend to be less diverse and many are facing a shortage in workers. Dr Bethany Robertson talks about the origin of these patterns and what the future of the sector looks like. Hello and welcome to the SETI seminar series where I'm going to be talking to you about the future of farm labour in the UK. My name is Dr Bethany Robertson and I'm a researcher in sociology at the University of Leeds. My area of work revolves around understanding farming identities and inequalities from speaking to those working in the industry. Following the COVID-19 pandemic and Britain leaving the European Union, this is a timely moment to consider the work that goes on behind the food on our plates. Perhaps you are listening in today from a rural part of the world, in which case you may be familiar with the countryside as a landscape, but also a place of work. Maybe you know a farmer personally yourself, or on the contrary, your insights come from the likes of watching Country File on the television. For as long as we eat food, we all have an indirect relationship with farmers. At the time of recording this talk, I have some wonderful British strawberries in my fridge that I bought from a supermarket. This not only coincides with Wimbledon, the sporting event famous for enjoying the fruit as a symbol of summer, but also it is the harvest season for strawberries. Did you know that according to DEFRA in 2019, the West Midlands contributes to 51% of the total fruit grown in England and that the growing of field vegetables is concentrated in the east of England? Of course, the amount of fruit and vegetables that is grown in the UK matters if we are being encouraged to eat fresh to benefit our health and to minimise environmental impact from imports. Have you considered the people and practices involved in creating this fresh produce? This podcast will be in two parts. I'm going to focus my attention on two hidden figures in farming. Firstly, seasonal migrant workers, and secondly, followed by women farmers. Prior to COVID-19, farming had been largely hidden from the public eye, perhaps assumed by some as an antiquated profession. However, during the disruption to travel and food systems brought about by the pandemic, farmers were redefined as essential workers who could continue with their daily business during lockdown to keep the cogs turning on our British food supply. This is not to say that farmers were untouched by the pandemic. Indeed, they faced supply chain issues such as sourcing seed, fertiliser, a lack of demand for hospitality orders, as well as labour shortages, cancellation of farmer groups and livestock marts, to name a few. 
A year later, this shift in image is met with the end of the freedom of movement between the UK and the EU. Why is this relevant? Well, prior to COVID, 98% of seasonal work in fresh fruit and vegetables was done by migrants. Yet according to the qualification and salary thresholds of the new immigration system, these people are classed as unskilled and are ineligible to come to the UK to work. As a result, in 2021, the government have allowed a seasonal agricultural worker pilot with 30,000 visas available for workers to enter the UK for up to six months in attempt to fulfil the needs of farms. A route available to migrants already living in the UK is the EU Settlement Scheme, whereby they can apply for settled or pre-settled status. In farmers' eyes, many of these workers are, in fact, skilled, in the sense that they usually return year after year, so have the experience that they can progress to more senior roles on farms. Aspects of the work, such as quality control, may require as much intellectual as physical capacity. As industry figures suggest this quantity of visas is not enough, one of the options to tackle the shortfall of workers in seasonal farming is to attract locals. Of course, farming is often considered to be more than a job, due to being bound by the geography of working and living in the same place, or committing to hours beyond that typical of an office job. Picture it now. Picking fruit or vegetables can be high-risk work, as intensive long hours are necessary doing physical tasks, for example, cutting asparagus with a knife time and time again. Let me set the scene. If you are a seasonal farm worker, you might be outside in the case of field vegetables or working inside in polytunnels for the likes of hanging fruit, as well as in pack houses to process this food for sale. Some people may be working in teams behind a tractor and others may be working independently. There may be permanent staff too, who are tasked with your supervision, recruitment or welfare. The support systems in place and working conditions vary depending on the farm. Some may require 20 seasonal workers and others around 200. Seasonal farm work is defined by the very fact that it comprises a concentration of tasks over a short period of time. For example, asparagus season runs from April to June, so it does not suit everyone's work expectations for stability. Thirdly, the location of farms is often in remote areas which are not served by public transport. This means that on-site accommodation is the norm for workers and for those with children, it may not be possible to relocate. For these reasons, the character of seasonal work in edible horticulture has made recruitment of a domestic workforce difficult so far. Some farmers, depending on the fruit and vegetable crops grown, pay their workers by piece rates. This means that they are not paid by hour, but instead by the outputs of their work, such as the weight of the produce that they have picked. As workers must receive at least national minimum wage, Pay is topped up by employers if workers do not reach the equivalent amount. The benefit of peace rates is that those who are productive workers can earn over the national minimum wage. 
So who is a productive worker? A productive worker might be one who works fast and therefore has picked more, or one who is accurate in selecting produce that is ripe and ready for the requirements of the retailer. Piece rates can vary between farms and fluctuate within seasons due to factors such as crop yield or weather. As a result, seasonal farm workers are faced with flexibility yet uncertainty about their earnings. Part 2. Alongside seasonal migrant workers, women may also be deemed hidden figures in farming. We saw from the Women's Land Army that women could do the fieldwork, but they were deemed to be a reserve labour force. Similarly, the idea of a farmer's wife suggests that women will participate temporarily in farming during busy periods, such as lambing, but otherwise are focused on domestic life. For example, post-World War II farming practices, such as turkey keeping, were traditionally performed by women and thus located close to the farmhouse. Historically, women have always taken a central role on farms. The problem has been their visibility. This has been obscured by the assumption that the job title of a farmer refers to a man and that a farm has one farmer. This leads to both symbolic and material inequalities in status and opportunity, which I'll move on to now. So why has it been assumed that women can't and don't farm? Farming has been considered a masculine occupation in the sense that it is suited to the supposed traits of men. For example, when working with dangerous machinery, it is assumed that strength is required to manipulate this technology. The hardy, resilient persona expected of a farmer is not associated with the stigmatisation of women as emotional. Farming and masculinity are conflated so that bigger bodies are valorised for supposedly being stronger. There is a perception upheld that women's bodies are insufficient to do the work compared to men's. Despite this, there has ostensibly been an increase in women farmers in the UK in recent years. For example, figures suggest that in 2014 approximately 29,000 farmers in the UK were women, compared to only 10,000 in 2001. However, entry is not necessarily synonymous with equality, as 84% of farm holders in England are reportedly men. Official statistics such as these tend to focus on farm holders, farm holders being one main person or owner which is one of the reasons why women have been excluded in the past. The traditional definition of a farmer overlooks those who may rent land, who are employees, who farm part-time or work in partnership, which are all positions that women might occupy on farms too. The stereotypes around what a farmer is meant to be like extends to barriers to entry, when a father or husband is the only route to access land and legitimation. What I mean by this is that patrilineal control firstly takes the form of farms, sometimes being inherited by sons as part of a default pattern. Sexism manifests through a preference for men to take on farms by treating gender as a natural precursor to capability or interest in farming. 
Secondly, women who work in partnership with their husband are often seen as an appendage rather than farmers in their own right. Examples of this are rife when contractors arrive on farms and direct their questions at the man present, which makes women feel out of place. Women farmers I have spoken to flip these assumptions on their head to ask, why is there no such trope as a farmer's husband? These stereotypes come to fruition in the everyday lived experiences of women farmers. For example, through the arrangement of the farmyard to suit stronger or bigger bodies. This can cause women to overexert in order to prove themselves as good farmers, which leads to health and safety risks and means that the work can take much longer to do. Manual tasks such as moving tools, water or opening gates can be assisted through the use of machinery as a means to empower women. On the contrary to the manual labour characteristic of edible horticulture, arable farming is currently more easily mechanised. At the most sophisticated level, tractors can drive themselves through GPS mapping of fields. This means that the role and skill set of a farmer within this context has changed towards information management. The data from fields such as yield and moisture can be collected from the computer system on board and used by farmers to inform their business decisions. Some of you may be familiar with the Yorkshire Shepherdess on your television screens or bookshelves who is famed for running a sheep farm and having nine children. It is a far cry away from Old MacDonald had a farm and challenges the apparent contradiction in terms between being a woman and a farmer. In fact, women farmers I have spoken to for my research assert that what they call a mothering instinct can be beneficial in farming as leaders in livestock require empathy towards their animals. For some women, it is important to carve out a niche in farming brought about by their skills to demonstrate that femininity has its place. By using the title of a shepherdess, she asserts her gender identity to show that women can and do farm. For others, this gender-marked term can be problematic compared to the alternative of a shepherd if the latter title is deemed the superior masculine identity. This example of the Yorkshire Shepherdess raises the question of whether role models and mentoring have a part to play in securing farm labour in the UK going forward. During this talk together, when we think of a sustainable food system, the first conclusion we might come to is about the environment. However, the viability of British farming also rests on access to an inclusive and diverse workforce. By examining power relations between actors in farming, such as farmers and workers, or between women in, and men, like I have done today, we discover the basis of a culture that is not sustainable if it does not encourage the right people for the job. It's crucial to remain attuned to what work in the various subsets of contemporary agriculture involves and to manage expectations. Of course, alongside this social environmental sustainability is financial concerns. And in the current research, we are interviewing migrant farm workers and farmers to better understand both of their priorities. 
This has been a whistle-stop tour about the diversity of farm work and the diverse workers it necessitates. So next time you're in the supermarket, remember the many hands that have laboured over your food. This session was based on my PhD research about women in farming and the current ESRC research project called Feeding the Nation, conducted alongside my colleagues at the University of Leeds and the University of Oxford. I hope you enjoy learning more about food and farming from the suggested readings. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for joining this SETI seminar. We hope you've enjoyed listening. If you would like to learn more about this and other topics in the series, then reading lists are available in the episode description of your podcast app. Or you can check out our website, which is ilkleylitfest.org.uk. Until next time, don't forget to like, rate and subscribe. <laughs>